Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. And got a good episode here from a guy from Scotland, a 16-year-old from Scotland. So this should be pretty interesting. And I got to give this guy a Scottish name. What better one to give than Wallace, as in William Wallace? I thought about Longshanks, but you know that was that was like the king of England at the time. So I decided, eh, maybe not give him that one. Thought about Stephen, the mad Irishman, but eh, just kind of plain. So I gave him the more masculine William Wallace name for this episode. So Wallace writes me asking, Ryan, I am a 16-year-old from Scotland, and I have ambitions to be a real stock trader as I am still using demo accounts. My question is, will I be able to take my relatively simple trading strategies into the real markets? For example, I use the 50-day exponential moving average bounce. I use the stuck in the box and the MACD reversal strategies. These have been working relatively well for me as I am just short of 6% up this year using these strategies. I love the podcast. I've been listening for about three months now. Five stars. All the best. Wallace. Pretty succinct email. Very much straight to the point. A good job to him for keeping it so brief. All right. What am I drinking? Man, guys, I'm not even looking forward to this one. A while back, I got a whole bunch of these little sample whiskeys. I wanted to try a whole bunch of different ones. I wasn't quite sure if I'd ever want to buy a bottle of, and I've highlighted some of them in the past, but this one's just kind of been sitting in the cabinet. So I said, you know what? This is the day where I'm finally going to take the plunge. And you guys hear me talk about it, you're going to die. This thing is called Raven's Lace. It's like this black and hot red colored bottle. I don't even know what it is on the cover, quite honestly. It's only 60 proof. So that's 30% alcohol. So it's not going to be a strong drink at all. And it's got this like pinkish tint to it that quite honestly petrifies me. But I try to give you guys a wide range of different options here. And that's what I'm going to do here. So I'm going to try it. I have very, very low hopes for this one. Oh my gosh. That might be the worst drink ever. Move out of the way, screwball peanut butter whiskey, because this thing has got you beat. This is absolutely atrocious. I regret ever even putting it on this podcast. Oh my gosh, that is awful. I give it a score of .0015. That's the score. I think that may be the lowest score I've ever given to any kind of a whiskey. This is not a bourbon. It's just a whiskey. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I won't even dump it down my sink because the sink doesn't deserve it. It's going straight to the toilet. This may be the first whiskey that I have never finished. All right, that's all I want to say about that one. 0.0015, that's what it gets. It should be criminal to make something that disgusting. Okay, does paper trading strategies work? That is essentially what William Wallace is asking here. He says, will I be able to take my simple trading strategies into the real markets? So the first example that he gives, and I'll say this too, going from paper trading to real-time trading, 
is a completely different experience. What often works in paper trading does not work in real-time trading. And why is that? It's because the emotions get involved. It's not necessarily the strategy, it's the emotions. But we'll look at his strategies here. So the first one is the 50-day EMA bounce. Now, I've, I've seen a lot of people play this. He uses an exponential moving average. I'm not a huge fan of exponential moving averages. Mainly, I use simple moving averages. I can't even remember the last time an EMA has made it onto my charts. Exponential moving averages, for those who don't know, puts more weight on the most recent days to form an average, whereas simple moving average weights all of the days the same. So on a simple moving average, if it's a five-day moving average, days one through five are all going to have an equal weighting. Whereas if it's an exponential moving average, a five-day exponential moving average, it's going to weight the most recent day far heavier than the closing price from five days ago. So that's the main difference. I don't use the MA because moving averages in general are to help you understand the emotions of the crowd. What are they playing off of? And you're looking to see, okay, what is the crowd playoff? Does this particular stock, let's say, for instance, it's PayPal that we're looking at, PYPL, and you're looking at the 20-day moving average, and you're seeing that it's constantly bouncing off of this 20-day moving average, then that becomes relevant going forward. Okay, maybe there's a bounce playoff of the 20-day moving average. If there is no price action around that 20-day moving average, then it becomes irrelevant. Who cares what the 20-day moving average says? You only care about it if it's got a history of reacting to the 20-day moving average. So he's talking about a 50-day moving average average, an exponential moving average, that is, and whether or not he should be playing. I am not a huge fan of that because oftentimes people who are using this trading strategy, they will get very desperate to make some of these trades that they will just trade off of the 50-day EMA regardless if there is a history of the stock bouncing off of that level or not. If there's a history, that's one thing. If there's not a history, why would you do that? Because it shows no respect for it. So who cares? I've seen a lot of stocks, particularly this year, where it'll go up and down below the 200-day moving average or the 50-day moving average for that matter. And when you see that in individual stocks, there's no reason to, to put any kind of weight or importance on that moving average. It needs to show a history of bouncing off of that moving average. And it doesn't have to be like multi-year history. It can just be like the last five times it's tested the 50-day moving average, it's bounced off of it. So it's not something that's always going to work. And even if it does have a history and you were able to identify that and you play, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you then either. It's a very niche technique that will give you some wins and some losses, but you got to make sure too that you're not just successful trading this because you're not paying attention to stop losses. Like a lot of people say this technique works because they're able to close the trade out, but it may not be working because of the 50-day moving average. It just may be working because you're not showing much discipline in your trading and that we're in a market right now where the dips keep getting bought up. And so eventually you're proven right, but that doesn't necessarily make the technique correct. And for me too, using a top-down trading strategy where I put the most weighting on what is the market doing followed by the sectors and then the industries and then the individual stocks that are moving the industries and sectors, I have to look at a lot of other things first before I even get to a, whether or not the 50-day moving average would be significant in that trade. So there's a lot going on there. And he talks about the MACD reversal strategies. But before I get into that, I want to tell you real quick about swing trading the stock market. It is the website that goes right along with this podcast. You're going to get throughout the week all of my market research. That's going to include my watch list updates that I provide for both bullish and bearish stocks. You're always going to know what stocks I'm bullish and bearish on. Then each day I'm going to be giving you the setups from those watch lists that I find the most intriguing and the ones that you need to be looking for in the day ahead. On top of that, I'm going to send out my favorite charts on the day, the ones that I'm finding most unique or providing good trade setups. And you're going to get updates each week on all the FANG stocks, including Microsoft and Tesla, 
as well as market updates for the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, and the Russell 2000, multiple times each week, in fact. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Now, about these MACD strategies. Now, this is a very common indicator, and it's basically a subset of price and volume. So what I always tell people is, is get good with price and volume. Don't rely on the indicator so much. A lot of people will look for reversals in the MACD to justify a trade setup. But I always tell people this, that that should be really a secondary thing that you're looking at. It's like, okay, hey, the chart's setting up. It's getting ready to break out. The volume's good. The price action's really good. Oh, look, I like all that stuff. And you got the MACD reversing too. So it's almost like a confirmation of what you're getting with price and volume, but it shouldn't be, hey, let's ignore price and volume and look just at MACD here because those things can diverge sometimes and not give you a true reading of what the actual stock is doing. So it really should be a secondary indicator for you going forward. He also uses another strategy called stuck in the box. Now, I've never heard it actually phrased in that way, but it comes from a Nicholas Darvis book. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I think it was made in like the 40s, if I can remember it's called How I Made $2 Million in the Stock Market. Pretty good read. And one of the main things that he did in this book was talk about the box breakouts. I like them. I, I trade them too. I mean, they're basically like consolidation boxes. What you can often do with it is draw literally a box around the price action. And the price action bounces off the top and the bottom of the box. And then you get long if it breaks out of the box. And you get short if it breaks down below the box. Now, that's a pretty simplified version of it. But in essence, it's a breakout pattern. Now, you have to be careful with them because sometimes the boxes can be quite large and a lot of people will put their stop loss below the bottom of the box. And if you do that, you might be risking like 20 or 30% on a trade. So you don't necessarily want to do that. But, but people will play that breakout and see how high it can go for them. Now, it's not a bad trading strategy. It's a version of a breakout play. So yeah, that can definitely work in the real time. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He also talks about how he is up 6% on the year, and that's good. You're doing a good job there, but you got to remember, it's paper trading. You start putting the emotions into your trading. When you start going real time, it adds a whole other element there. So that 6% could be a whole lot less, especially if you become undisciplined in your trading, it'll start turning into a negative amount because those emotions can lead you to make some really, really bad trading decisions. So know that when you get into the stock market for the first time, and even if you've been a very successful paper trader, you're going to deal with a whole new score of emotions because let's face it, when you're paper trading, there's no accountability. There's no worry if you mess up, blow up an account, you can always start over. But you can't do that in real-time trading. Once you lose the money, you've lost the money. you got to make that up somehow. And you got to do it with less money than what you had before. That's why I like to keep my losses small because I know when I have a losing trade, I don't want to have to make up for that loss with a dramatically smaller amount of money in my portfolio. Think about it this way. If you... Take a 50% loss on your portfolio and you put everything you have onto the next trade and you make 50% back, guess what? You're still down 25% on the year. You literally have to double your account in order to make up for a 50% loss. So recognize the emotions that come with jumping into the stock market for the first time after you successfully paper traded. Because once you start getting into the, the real-time trading environment, 
the emotions of fear and the emotions of greed, they're going to kick it up to a notch that you've never experienced before. And the smaller amounts of money that you trade with or the less significant that the money is to you, the better you're going to do as a trader. So it doesn't hurt to start off small, especially in a commissionless environment that we're in. My philosophy on trading has always been to trade an amount that gives you the least amount of emotions. Now, that doesn't mean that you trade with 10 cents or something like that or a dollar or whatever, but you want the amount to be significant enough to where when you're successful at trading, it does improve your life, but you also don't want it to be so much so that you're losing sleep at night where you're breaking mouses and keyboards. I had to learn that the hard way in my life. And uh, I don't want you guys to have to do that as well. So Wallace, William Wallace, recognize when you're going from paper trading to real-time trading, the emotions are going to get crazy. So know that. Plain your trading strategy around that. And I hope you do great. That's going to do it for this podcast. If you could do me the favor of continuing to send me in your emails, ryan at shareplanner.com. I read them all and I love putting them on the air as well as leaving me a five-star review. That also means the world to me. That's like the currency for podcasters, getting those five-star reviews. So if it's on Apple or it's on Amazon or Spotify, if you can leave me a review, that's great. If you can subscribe, that's also great too. Thank you guys and God bless everybody except the people who make Raven's Lace. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.